Welcome to the Diving Pod. I'm Allison Gibson, a former diver at the University of Texas, NCAA champion and Tokyo 2021 Olympian. And here we are to talk about my journey back to diving. And I'm Heath Calhoun. And I'm Aaron Rooney. And as you all know, this podcast is brought to you by Sideline Scout. Make sure you get over to Sideline Scout. Use our links in our Instagram bio or our website. Um, just get over to sidelinescout.com. Check out their poolside live package at a minimum. That's your video replay system. Again, you've heard it all before. The tool or the uh, the controls are easy to use. It's the best tool you have in diving. Just to hone in on those key details, find those minor adjustments that you need to make in each dive at each moment in time. Uh, that's probably the most important thing in our sport is, you know, where do your hands go at this moment in time and where are your hips at? So uh, like I said, sideline scout, make sure you get over there and get it. Um, also, just a reminder to people, our diving 101 episode, that is number two of the diving pod. It goes over the numbers, the letters, how to score points. Uh, parents, It's it's been awesome. We've had a ton of good feedback on that episode that it was helpful. Um, but yeah, you might want to take some notes when you are uh, going through that one. I'm told that it's there's just a lot of info. And then our last um, sponsor for right now is Crossbar. They were nice enough to set us up with a website. Um, it is definitely geared towards team functions. So like um, American Flyers have it. If you want to go over and check them out, the club in Ohio, uh, divingpod.com is our website. It's really great for getting information out to your team. The customer service is phenomenal. You're able to run insurance through it, payment plans, things like that. It's awesome. Get over there, check them out at Crossbar. But we're going to jump right in here, Allie, and just give us a book, movie, and TV show recommendation, please. Okay, so I have a few book recommendations. First one is Good to Great. Highly recommend. Uh, it's good for life and business. Walk On was actually the book that inspired me to fully come out of retirement and go back to diving. So highly recommend that one. And then Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins is is really good. Yeah. I listened to it on Audible. And he, he like you know, he narrates it. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, so, so those are my book recommendations, um, for movie and TV. I actually don't watch that much. Um, I will say fun fact about me. Like I love watching the Grinch. So every Christmas I watch it. So if you haven't watched that one, like the classic, like Jim Carrey version is my favorite. Cause I think he's really relatable in some ways. Um, and then TV show, I don't know. Um, I have been watching Poldark lately, so it's just the top of my mind. Um, so yeah, nothing crazy, but <laughs> so the, the the Grinch is that just because I've read this thing online a hundred times. It's like you know, after watching the Grinch now and being an adult, I realize that he just doesn't really like people that much, and he wants to hang out with his dog all the time. I'm like, yep, I get it. <laughs> yeah, no, there's there's actually a really funny scene where he's like getting ready to go down to the town. Cause he's been, in, been invited for like an award and he's trying to get dressed and he's like trying on different clothes and he's really frustrated. And he's like, mm, not that one. And it, it's just, it's one of those like really funny, relatable scenes where you're just like, man, I get you. There's one where he's like going through his calendar and he's like dinner with me. Can't cancel that again. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> um, that's awesome so and it's kind of one of those yeah it's just it's funny and then you have sure. you read david got or listened to david goggins second book never finished no i haven't but i've they're heard so, that it's really good they're so it's they're so good his books are amazing yeah but yeah i i gotta up my reading game i just like don't do it and i i, I should definitely should um all right Allie, another another rapid fire one here favorite food favorite music and then a fun fact that some may not know Oh my gosh. Um, okay. Favorite food is, I would say 
honestly pizza i don't know why pizza just like always hits or tacos i'm from texas so like tacos are amazing i was actually telling my friend the other day if i had to choose one food group that i had to eat the rest of my life it'd be tacos so yes um very good <laughs> music oddly enough instrumentals i've always loved instrumentals um it's just there's something very powerful about them and then fun fact that someone may not know about me. I feel like I've already told a lot of fun facts in this podcast in like the first five minutes of it. <laughs> um, but I was telling this story the other day. I dropped a chair on my toe when I was like 10 years old and my toenail came off, um, the entire toenail. Um, and I was actually at the pool when it happened. I was swimming and I was just kicking and I was like, mm, that's kind of weird. And I looked down at my toe and my toenail was just kind of like... <laughs> living around and the lifeguard had to cut it off so that's a really fun gross fact about me i guess um <laughs> we're really starting this off strong nice know? that's awesome <laughs> that's all right so ali kind of more focused in here on your diving journey so it's going to be an interesting listen so take us through your journey how you got started in the sport how you found your way to Texas the first time, and then what got you to where you are now coming out of retirement and being back in the sport. Okay. Yeah. So this is actually one of my favorite stories to tell. So I was a swimmer and I grew up swimming. It was kind of the sport I always did. And I also grew up watching the Olympics on TV. And so I always kind of had this thought in my head that I was going to be an Olympic swimmer. Um, it was something that I dreamed of. And I started at about eight years, seven years, seven, eight years old. I started training down at UT at the Texas swimming center on the swim team. And I made my way around the pool deck and I met Matt Scoggin, who was coaching the college team at the time and still is today. And he saw how hard I worked and he told me, Hey, you should try diving. And I laughed. I was like, no way. I'm a swimmer. I'm going to the Olympics for swimming. And a few months later, uh, a new head coach came into our swim program and said, my group could only train five days a week, but my brother swam six days a week. So I asked my parents, I said, Hey, we have to be here anyway. Can I try diving? This coach like told me I would be good at it. And my parents were like, fine, whatever. Like, it'll be fun. So I started doing it on Friday nights and I absolutely fell in love with it. It was kind of one of those things where I, my feet touched the diving board and it was like, I knew I was meant to do that. And so from that moment on, I just poured my heart and soul into it in so many ways. And I just continued to progress. And then I ended up, um, being recruited by Matt Scoggin, you know, a few years later and ended up at the University of Texas where I competed for four years, um, won a national championship there and then went on to pursue the Olympics. Um, and yeah, after that, uh, retired for two years and now came back to the sport. So that's kind of the, the story in a nutshell. So I guess, um, like, I know we're going to talk about what did it take to get back, but what brought you back? Yeah, that's a really good question. So, you know, after I retired from diving, I was in a really good place in my life. I was finishing my master's degree and I was like, okay, I have my master's degree from UT. I got an amazing job at a, at a really awesome company. And I was building relationships all over Austin, literally having so much fun. I had freedom, all of these things. And I was like, really, really enjoying my life. And then summer nationals came around in summer of 2023. And after summer nationals, I had a few people reach out to me and say, Hey, like we miss you here at nationals. You should come back to diving. And when they said that I laughed at first, I was like, there's no way my life is way too good. Like 
why would I go back to diving? There's so many sacrifices. I, it's financial sacrifices. I have to face fears that I haven't faced. Like there were so many things that, you know, I made it difficult to, to go back, but I, you know, faith is a big thing. So I prayed about it for two weeks. And then after that, I, I kept feeling that call. Like I had a purpose in this. And so I talked to some of my mentors and all of them said, Hey, you know, you can work the rest of your life. You yeah. can only do this right now. And I was like, you know what? Y'all are right. Like I'm still very young. And so then I talked to my parents. I said, Hey guys, like, I think I'm actually going to do this. And my parents said, we'll support you. And so then I went and I ended up talking to my company and said, Hey, I'm going back to the Olympics. Like I'm training for it. And I would love to keep working with you guys, but if not, like that's okay. And they came back to me and they said, Hey, we want you on our team. We don't want to lose you. And so they gave me uh, an opportunity to work for them part-time. So for me, it was kind of like, at first there was a lot of tension and I just felt so called. I felt that I had a purpose in this journey, whether I made the Olympics or not, I felt like I had a purpose in coming back to the sport. And so, um, everything else just kind of fell in line. And, um, obviously I was able to start training back again at UT and got in the water and it, it all just came back really quickly. And so that's kind of the process of how I got back. I feel like there's a interesting, uh, communication lesson there as well, where you were kind of fearful that people were maybe not going to be super psyched about you missing work or whatever it might've been. And then you just kind of laid it out there. You mentioned praying about it and then talking to everybody about it. It's like, that's an adult thing to do an adult decision to do. And it seemed like everybody was more than supportive. You know, what was that like receiving that support when you were, when you were hearing that after you made that decision? Honestly, it was pretty incredible because there was a lot of uncertainty for me. Um, I'm, I'm a person that naturally likes a certain amount of stability. And so for me to take this leap of faith, knowing, Hey, I might not have a job and you know, I'm not, I won't be getting paid for this. Like, it's kind of taking a leap of faith into the unknown, but knowing that so many people were behind me, knowing that my parents were behind me, knowing that my mentors were behind me and then knowing that my coworkers were behind me, it just helped me feel like I was making the right choice. Um, and I think that's the thing, like there, there are times in life, um, where you feel called to something and then there's just a, a ton of tension for it. But for this, I felt called to do it. And I felt like I kept getting, like approval, whereas like, this is the right thing to do. And so that just made it easier. Um, and it made it a lot more fun as well. So Ali, I do have a weird question. Cause I feel like I remember hearing this, you went to college very young, like not 18 years old, correct? Yeah. I was 17 years old. My whole freshman year. Like I had just turned 17 when I stepped on campus pretty much. And what was that like transitioning to college life right now? I have a young lady. She's in the exact same situation, 17. And I yeah. feel like as a coach, I see that that social like integration has been hard. And so what has that, what was that like for you? What was the challenges uh, when you went through it? Oh man, that, that is, that's a question that is a really interesting question. So definitely it was tough, especially also because I came from a homeschool background and mm -hmm. it wasn't that I didn't have, I didn't have a hard time socializing with people. Mm -hmm. That wasn't a thing, but for me, it was understanding the kinds of relationships. And so for me, I was like, I would sit in the dorm room and girls from the swim team would like come in and like sit on the, you know, my roommate's bed and like cuddle or hang out. I was like, I don't understand like how these relationships work. Like I just hadn't had exposure to that. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, it was like, 
understanding team dynamics in a whole different way. That was really hard for me. Um, but I think I always had a level of maturity. So when it came to the classroom, like it was really easy for me to function in the classroom. It was really easy for me to like build relationships with my coaches. Um, but the biggest struggle I had really was, you know, trying to build those relationships with my teammates. But at the end of the day, you know, I came to college with a mission and my mission was not to fit into the bubble. I saw so often that, you know, people would go in and they would just stay in their safety bubbles, mm-hmm. right? They would sit with their team every single day at dining hall and they would hang out with the same people all the time. And I didn't want to be constrained to that. I wanted to meet different people from different sports, from different backgrounds. And so I very intentionally made an effort to do that throughout college, which was awesome in some ways and not awesome in other ways, but all in all, like I got a really interesting college experience through that. Um, but there definitely were struggles for sure. Awesome. Thank you. All right. So fresh off qualifying for world championships, both synchro three meter and then one meter individual. And I have a note here. You were crazy close on three meter individual as well. (laughs) What was it like being back in the pool and having that success? It was honestly crazy. Um, because you know, going back a year ago, I thought, you know, if I wanted to come back and be able to make Paris, I needed two years to train or a year and a half, at least to train. And that was what I thought. Like, I was like, there's no way I'll have any chance unless I have a full year and a half. And so when I made this decision to come back in basically end of July, August of this year, I was like, dang, I have like less than a year. Like, this is crazy. And I was like, okay, I I gotta, I gotta catch up. I got a lot of catching up to do. And so I worked my butt off. I mean, I was already fit before, but I've, I worked my butt off um, day in and day out. So I came into nationals knowing, feeling good. Like I was confident. I was like, I'm diving really strong, but you know, it really became a reality when I won synchro. Cause it was like, wow, like I never thought this was possible. I did not think it was possible to train for, for four months and be good enough to, to win nationals. And for me, it was kind of one of those really amazing moments that when you feel called to do something in your heart, like follow that calling, because it's really incredible to see what happens when you do take that leap of faith. And so, you know, to anyone who's listening, I want to encourage you, like, if you feel really called on your heart, like oftentimes we put these mental constraints around ourselves and say, Hey, I can't do this. Or the world says this is impossible. But in some cases, if you feel called to do something and you pursue it with your whole heart, you know, it's pretty amazing what can happen. And I think nationals was a proof point that, you know, I did that and, uh, and it really came to fruition, um, in, in my results in a lot of ways. All right. So I just had a little mention. Uh, I, I just watched the movie Gran Turismo last night on Netflix and what you just said, like, if you have a dream, chase it. If you, if you, you know, you don't want to put these constraints on yourself mentally. I just, I would tell people to go watch that movie Gran Turismo. It's like nothing that I thought it was going to be. Um, really, really cool. And totally one of those feel good stories that caught myself like almost tearing up. Cause it's like, dang, this is really cool. Like, I'm not going to spoil it. It's obviously about race car driving, but I mean, watch the movie. It's really, really cool. And it, it, it kind of encompasses everything you just said right there. Yeah. And I thought it was quite interesting. So I just want to make sure I understand correctly. You took, you retired from diving 
after yeah. the Tokyo Olympics, took two years off, yeah. and essentially have only been training for four months. Well, yeah, more or less. Like I came back, whatever, you can do the math. I came back right. in July, early August. And like, right. but there was my coach was like gone for stuff and the pool was shut yep. down for a period of that time. So I I didn't really, really get deeply into training until kind of end of August, um, early September. So yeah. Well, you, here's another one. Do you think that's going to be a trend like coming up? I mean, I think about not only the Paris Olympics, but the LA, LA Olympics. Yeah. I think yeah. about people who might be a little burnt out where they just want to take two years off and then, Hey, okay. You know, it's been done before. Let me just come back. I mean, look, we see Grayson Campbell. He came yep. back and honestly, really funny story. Grayson and I were teammates and we were talking earlier this year and he was like, Oh, have you ever thought about coming out of retirement? And I was like, no, like I'm never going to do that. <laughs> and we were sitting in a parking lot for like an hour and a half talking about retirement and he was kind of thinking about it then. And, and so I think it's really funny how, you know, you see that and Cassie cook has done that in the past. Mm -hmm. You know, we've seen these athletes that have taken a break and I think there's so much value to taking a break. So 100%, I think that, you know, you're always going to see that happen where, where somebody retires and comes back. Now the ability to retire and mm -hmm. come back stronger, you know, that's not always going to yeah. happen, but you know, there are cases. And again, like Cassidy cook, Grayson Campbell, um, and, and me now, I think, you know, we're all good examples of, you know, what it looks like to take a healthy break and then pursue something with your whole heart. Yeah. I think two things. One, I don't think it's really feasible just cause I would imagine you're both very focused on trying to make the Olympics, but man, you and Grayson as a mixed synchro team would be awesome. That'd be cool. <laughs> I'm just that'd throwing be, it out there. Be It'd cool. be awesome. But two, I just have to give a shout out to Nick Gaze from Springboard and more. We were texting back and forth as Winter Nats was going on. He was there and he literally said, pretty much anyone who came out of retirement looks really solid. Almost like that time off has helped them recover physically and mentally. Like it just yeah. let them recharge. And I just wanted to give that because he said that. And I was like, yeah, like everyone that's coming out of retirement looks awesome. So, yeah, oh, go ahead. One thing, one thing just going off of that, I'm not saying that everyone should take two years in yeah. retirement. You know, like that's, that's just not, uh, not a great thing to do in, in most cases. But when I was in retirement, I, I literally didn't touch a diving board other than maybe like twice a year randomly for funsies. And I was like in the weight room, obviously working out. Cause I want to yeah. stay fit. Like I want to look good, feel good. Um, but it was like a true full 100% mental break. And I truly fully enjoyed life to the fullest, um, in so many different ways. And I think there's so much value in stepping away and your brain doesn't forget, right? You're subconsciously still yeah. processing these things. And I was like coaching some clinics on the side for fun. So my brain was still processing diving, despite the fact that I wasn't doing it. And so I think there's a lot of value to giving your body rest. Um, because if you don't do that, it's just, you break down. I mean, you really do. And, and burnout is a real, real thing. Yeah. You were, I actually told Aaron that I said, I feel like I noticed early this week, I just seemed like so burned out and I like just haven't done anything besides the podcast with diving. And I'm like, I feel so much better just, just a week. But yeah. um, yeah. So now just kind of touching base on what it took to get back to where you are now, you know, it sounds like in terms of staying in shape, you were always in the gym. So that wasn't a super big concern, but what was maybe some of the challenges that was it getting the dives back? Was it the mental approach to like getting ready to like start that intense training again? What, what did that look like getting back into it for you? Yeah. So 
You know, I think that honesty is the best policy. And for any young diver who's listening to this, I'm going to give a very honest answer um, because I, you know, I, I, I hope that it's helpful to, to other people listening. Um, as many of you know, the Olympics was not a, a good competition for me. It was in fact, one of the most painful competitions in my life. And it was so painful that I knew I had a life ahead of me and I had a job and a career that I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't want to face competing again. I don't want to face the prospect of failure again. So I'm just going to retire. It's easier. I can make money. Like this is great. So that was a big reason or not a big reason, but that was part of why I retired. So kind of mirroring that when, when I came out of retirement, I had to actually face all of that. So I had to face the fear of competing again and potentially failing. I had to face the fear of doing dives that I haven't done in two years. Um, and I had to face, you know, a variety of different mental blocks that I had faced in the past. And so I think coming out of retirement wasn't necessarily a physical hurdle as much as it was a mental hurdle, a mental hurdle yeah. of facing so many demons from my past, whether it was fears or thoughts or, you know, competing again, there are just so many aspects of it, um, as well as imposter syndrome, walking on the pool deck again with my teammates and, and, you know, they were all amazing and all welcomed me in so many amazing ways. And they've been so kind, but it's still scary. Um, and I even felt that at nationals, it was like, <clears throat> wow, I'm walking back on this pool deck again. And I have no idea how people are going to react. Um, and so for me, that was the biggest thing. Um, and I also realized that like failure will happen, but like, it's so valuable to face that you have to face those mistakes and those fears and work through them because that will make you a stronger person. And it really has made me a stronger person for sure. Yeah. So you touched on it when making that choice to come back and looking back and saying like, Hey, Tokyo Olympics didn't go how you had hoped or how you wanted how did you deal with that? Was that something that you kind of just like packed away and you're like, I'm not dealing with this. Or was it something that you're like, you know what, if I come back, I kind of get this opportunity of redemption with Krista. Like yeah. we see it, you guys can do awesome. Like Thank to you. be training, like the amount of time you have and to, I mean, to beat Sarah and Cassidy, like that's an amazing team. And so are you both. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it's going to give you guys an opportunity mm -hmm. to go compete at worlds. Like what is that mindset now looking back at that? Is it, how did you deal with it? How did you get through it? And how do you look at that now looking yeah. back? Yeah. So first, um, I didn't really talk about it. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to face it, but I got to the point where I realized this, you know, if you, if you hide all your imperfections and only talk about your wins, that's just, it's hard for people to relate to, um, because we're all human and we all make mistakes and we all fail and we all have bad days. And so, what I realized is it's actually a really powerful testimony to be able to talk about what, what happened and what I learned from it and how I've grown from it. And so my mission truly has been um, to allow myself to be courageous in sharing that story and sharing what I learned from it. And I think coming back into this, I, I did talk about it and I did face it and I talked about it with my coach and I figured out, Hey, like, what could have we done differently? And we talked about it. Hey, if I'm ever in this position again, like, this is what we would do differently. And this is what went wrong. And I think that that's really important not to dwell on the past, not mm -hmm. to obsess on the past because you can't change it, but to learn from it and move forward and take steps to, to improve or to prevent that from happening again. And so, yeah, for me, the biggest thing is, is having the courage to face it, to talk about it, to learn from it and to apply what you're learning to your training every single day, um, into your competitions. So, 
Awesome. So, <clears throat> excuse me. You're good. I know you to have been pretty open and honest about your faith. I want you to talk about how that plays a role in your diving. And I've noticed that, you know, both with you and with Krista, how does that uh, play a role in, in you, in the sport? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so for me, I feel like, you know, I, I was given the gift of diving and, and this ability. And so my mission is really to try to glorify God through the gifts that he's given me. And so that's, that's been a really cool thing. And also to be a, a good example, um, to my teammates and faith is really kind of that it, it's been such a central piece for me. And I talk a lot about identity. I think as athletes, we so often put our identities in the successes and the failures of our sport. And this is something that the Olympics taught me in such a painful way, where it's like, if you have your identity in your sport, and that is how you define yourself when you're winning you're way up here and it's amazing. But when you're failing or when you're having a bad practice, you're way down here and your emotions are kind of on this roller coaster ride. And it's a very difficult way to live because you're always just battling the highs and the lows. Yeah. And for me, the role that faith plays is it plays this like neutralizing force, right? If my identity is in my faith, no one can take that away from me. No one can ruin that. Nothing that happens in life can take that away, right? That is a central thing that it's unchanging and consistent. And so I can always go back to that, knowing that that is the core of who I am. And then having a community around me who loves me no matter what. And so whenever life gets really hard. I always know I can kind of come back to that central point and lean on my faith as well as my community to remind me of who I am and what my true value is outside of an accolade that people are going to forget about or a medal that's going to sit on a dusty shelf. Um, and for me, my mission in coming back is, is the Olympics is amazing. I want to do amazing and, and win a medal at the Olympics. But my true mission is truly to inspire people through my journey um to have the courage to walk by faith or have the courage to take leaps of faith um and live in a way that is honorable um and so that's what i try to do on the pool deck every day that's what i try to do in the weight room that's what i try to do with my coworkers and with my friends and i truly hope that if i you know no matter what happens at the end of this if i'm living in an honorable honorable way um, I want to leave an impact and that for me is a win and a success, uh, in this journey. Yeah, that's super powerful. <clears throat> I've been leaning into that a little bit more as a coach myself where, you know, we're at a big meet or a big competition and I'll, I'll pray with the kids. And, um, it's, it's one of those that I, I almost say the same thing every time it's like, Hey, the story's already written. He already knows the story. We'll just talk to him about it. Talk to him about what your story is. And when you're done talking to him, when you're done praying to him, to him then just let it be and it's so crazy it's almost like a flip a switch gets flipped like yeah. whoa I don't have to worry about anything okay now I'm just gonna go dive and yeah. it's it's remarkable to see the results when you almost give up caring right in yeah I, I don't mean that to sound weird but like we all know everybody in this sport cares and they want to win and they want to do their best. Yeah. But when it consumes you and you're obsessed with it, it can turn negative. And yeah. if you just kind of, I always say to the kids, like, give it up, give it up to him, give it up to him and, and it'll be what it is. And you're going to yeah. have your, your success moment, whether it's learning from a failure or truly having that success. And, and to dive a little bit more into that, that's really what happened to me at the Olympics in the sense of, 
my first two dives, I was just fully surrendered and I had so much peace. And all of a sudden, you know, I see the scores on the second dive. I see we're at the top of the leaderboard, like the only team, one of the only teams in the world to be ahead of China or in line with China after acquired. Like that was a huge feat. And all of a sudden I was like, whoa, like the metal podium is real. And I started obsessing over the win. Right. And I started thinking, what if I mess up? Like if I mess up, like we won't get the pedal. And I just started like really like letting these, these thoughts and these lies and these fears really infatuate my brain. And it was like, I got stuck. I couldn't get out of it. And when I went into, you know, my front three and a half pike, my back two and a half pike, it was just, I was, I was fully like overwhelmed by fear and by doubt instead of confidence and courage. And, and I was obsessed with the the result instead of being obsessed with glorifying, you know, God and like using my body in the way I know how to. And so that was a really, really big thing that I learned. And I'm not perfect. I'm not going to have amazing competitions every time now, but you know, I think I've really truly tried to figure out, okay, like how do I let go of this material success and recognize that there's so much more to this and that this is so much more significant than, than winning and then a medal, um, and, and kind of giving that up. And so, yeah, it's very difficult to do. Um, but that, you know, I, I love that you mentioned, you know, giving, giving it up. And, um, I think it's, uh, it's definitely one of the hardest lessons I've learned. Sure. So, so Ali, what advice would you give to a young diver? Okay. So this is what I always say. Burnout is real. I think that's in any sport it's real. Um, I experienced it. And so to any young diver, any diver who's been doing it for 10 years, whatever, I always say, remember and write this down somewhere. Like, remember the feeling that you had on the first day of diving or like the feeling you have when you learn a new dive and, and just like, just encapsulate yourself in that feeling. And then whenever you're having a bad day or whenever you're having burnout or frustration, just take a moment and reflect back on why you started the, the sport in the first place and what it means to you, because that's, you know, one of the most important things. It's really easy to get caught up in the little things and the frustrations and the obsession with perfection that you lose sight of why you're doing it in the first place and you lose sight of why you love it. So I always tell people, I'm like, take a breath, take a step back and remember why you love this sport. Um, Cause at the end of the day, if you're doing it and you don't love it, like it's just, it's, you don't get as much out of it. Yep. Great advice. Yep. <clears throat> so Allie, what's something you're passionate about? I just like asking this to people that either I don't know or, you know, maybe even outside of diving something passion that fuels you oh okay um oh man this is i'm trying to think of a good answer for this uh i would say definitely passionate about impacting future generations Mm. one of my biggest missions and and this is something i would love to do someday is is have the opportunity to speak to young athletes because i struggled so intensely with like I said earlier, my identity being so caught up in my sport that I was on a roller coaster ride. And I think it would help so many athletes if they understood what it meant to view their sport in a healthy way and view success and failure in a healthy way and be able to learn how to move forward from success and failure. So 
I'm very passionate about that. That's something I talk about with young athletes. It's something I talk about with my friends all the time. Um, and I would love to just have more opportunities to share that and work with people um, to help them through whatever they're struggling with. I like that. That's yeah. And I think we need more of that in our sport, like role models like yourself that are willing to go in front of young athletes and just talk to them about your struggles, their struggles. How can that, how do you get through it? All right. This question, some people don't like to answer it. So you don't have to, if you don't want to, who is your top ranked diver in the U S uh, that's such a broad question though. Yep, like male, absolutely. Female, However know. you want to answer it. Um, <laughs> you do not. I want to be clear. You do not have to answer it if you don't want to. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I saw that question and I was like, ah, I literally, I was thinking about it so much. Um, I don't know. I, I would say like, I kind of had like three people mm -hmm. or I guess two people in my mind, like one person, I love Andrew Capabianco's power mm -hmm. in his diving. So I just want to shout him out. I always love watching his diving and he's just been doing so well. Um, so I would say him. And also, you know, I've watched him kind of grow up in the sport with yeah. me. And so it's been really cool seeing that. And then Tyler Downs just is a beautiful diver. And he has like one of those toe points that I just, I'm like, oh, toe point. <laughs> um, so I would say I would shout them out as like two male divers that I think are just really unique and beautiful. And then also of course, Grayson, because he's like a badass coming out of retirement. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, and that's exactly what we kind of want from this question. Like who was, it was Ford last week, literally gave us like the pit divers. And it's like, Oh, that's yeah. not an answer. We typically hear just gives us an opportunity to see like, what are some of the uh, characteristics that you value? So thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious to know extra preparation that you need to perform your best. You know, what kind of food, what kind of routine, what kind of stretching? Like, do you have a favorite song? Are you superstitious? Let's get into the weeds a little bit on that. I'm not super superstitious. I would say food. I like to keep it light. Like I eat just enough to fuel me, but I don't like feeling heavy in a swimsuit. So yep. yeah, just like eggs or a granola bar. Um, yeah, just normal stretching routine songs. I'll listen to like either classical music or like gospel music because it calms my nerves. And then one thing y'all have probably noticed or will notice at some point, um, is I normally always try to get in the water before I dive when I'm competing. Uh, mainly just because it's part of what I like to do. Um, I just like being covered in, in water. Um, I, I just love the water. So <laughs> um, I think that's probably like the biggest routine that I have, but cool. nothing crazy, you know? Yeah. That's All awesome. right. Now, now what did you study while you were at UT and what, what is that job you're doing part-time now? Yeah. So I was advertising undergrad and then I was marketing and advertising for grad school and I ended up graduating and through a series of pretty crazy events, I ended up getting a job at this amazing company. It's a boutique consulting firm here in Austin called Legend Labs. And we do strategic communications consulting. So it's, um, it's really cool. I say we're small, but mighty because we get to work with a lot of incredible clients. For example, I get to work with like Johns Hopkins university and the Whoa. university of Texas and like the sec conference. And, um, I've worked with Dell in the past. And so we get to work with some pretty amazing people on, on really unique projects. I do a lot of research for them, some, you know, crisis management work. And so I truly enjoyed it. Very dynamic, very fast paced and, every week is unique and different. And so it's very, um, very on brand for me. I like, 
I like entertainment and I like variety. So it's, awesome. it's been fun. Very cool. Thank you. Yeah, that is really cool. So my next one here, it's a little broad, but um, what would you like to be known for? I feel like I've touched on this a little bit. My yeah. mission in life is, and I was talking to someone about this today, actually, you can't take money to the grave. You cannot take a gold medal to the grave. Like you, all these material things, they just are left on earth after you're dead. And so for me, yes, having material things is nice. Like we all want, you know, a place to live and things like that. But what truly matters to me is generational impact. And so in my life, I want to, whether it's just one person or thousands of people, I want to have the opportunity to to leave an impact or leave a mark that is carried on for generations. Um, and whether it's inspiring them to take a leap of faith or live their life a certain way or whatever it may be, um, I want to live my life in a way that inspires people and that then inspires future generations in turn. So love that. So, so Paris is definitely right around the corner. Like trials is going to be here in no time, but what are you, do you, have you thought past that? Do you have any long-term plans with diving um, after Paris? You know what? I haven't really thought about it. My Fair. focus right now is, is the now, the present yep. awesome. and being present. So yeah. Awesome. I love that. Cool. All right. We ask, uh, we're going to get into our signature questions. So every guest asks all of, or answers all of these. So we do not treat failure like it's a bad thing, more of an opportunity for growth. So from that perspective, what would you say your favorite failure has been? I would definitely say the Olympics because that's what brought me here today uh, in, a, in a roundabout way. And I think owning it and talking about it is very yeah. powerful. Uh, and I think it's inspired a lot of people um, in the sport and outside of the sport. So, yeah, without a doubt. And then uh, next one here, what are you doing to improve? Man, you know, I think that this is just consistency. It's really about not skimping out on reps. You know, it's like, hey, I, I'm exhausted today. I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this cardio this morning, but I do it anyway. Uh, yep. It's about saying yes when you don't want to say yes and uh, and pushing yourself when you when you don't want to. So. Yep. And then what is your why? I feel like we've talked about this a lot as well, but. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, my why truly is, again, um, inspiring people through, through what I'm doing through my story. And at the end of the day, that's what I care most about. Perfect. And then uh, this one comes from Katie from Pitt. What is your spirit animal? My spirit animal. Oh gosh. I, I feel like I have, I have two. Um, I would say a dolphin. Cause I've always been like obsessed with dolphins. They're very smart and they live in the water and they jump out of the water and do a bunch of yep. stuff. So I like, feel like I kind of relate. Uh, and then wolves, because they're like very intense, kind of ferocious animals, um, but they're also beautiful. And I think there's just power. And I was obsessed with wolves as a kid. And so I just, I don't know. I just think they're cool. Yeah, they're very pack oriented too. Like you have that protective gene in you. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be pretty interesting. Like that protective gene with you and Haley on the one meter at Worlds. <laughs> I feel like that has to be like a big sister, little sister dynamic a little bit. It's kind of interesting. Um, I love training with Haley because she's like one of the most consistent divers ever. And it's, yeah. like both have. I would not say we're best friends. Like we, like she tends to be a little bit more quiet, but mm -hmm. there's this like quiet respect. Um, That's cool. I think she respects me a lot and I respect her a lot. And it's pretty incredible to be able to train with her 
every day. And, and I think we push each other and yeah, I just, I, I have so much respect for her and everything that she's done. And I'm, I'm really thankful that, you know, I have such a, not just her, but such yeah. amazing teammates who work hard every single day. That's killer. That's one killer. thing I, I need to say before he does his mm-hmm. questions is uh, anybody out there who hasn't seen it, but Allie's 303B from this most recent winter nationals <laughs> on one meter. It's the, probably one of the best 303Bs I've ever seen in my life. So if you haven't seen it, I'm pretty sure Santa Clara posted it. I just remember watching it live being, and just like jumping out of my chair like that, you know, when, when Joe Rogan's watching uh, that, yeah. the fight and he just like gets everybody out of the way. He's like, Oh my gosh, what did I just watch? Like yeah. that was me watching that dive. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I was like, it was funny. I was not doing as well as I wanted in that competition. I was like, oh man, I got to hit this gainer. And then I hit the water and I was like, oh, I hit like, I like <laughs> you come out. I like felt the come out and on that dive, I get to come out so high. So I'm just like floating it over. It is honestly one of the best feelings in the world. I being able to float a dive is just, oh, it's ugh. especially gainers. It's so fun. I love that's it. Aw- that's perfect. <laughs> All right. Allie, favorite drill to do. It can be dry land, water, whatever you want. Favorite drill is, you know, none of them. <laughs> I don't know. I do, yeah, I do a That's lot fair. of lineup drills. I've, I've gone, I've grown an affinity for, for lineup drills lately, as well as handstand pike ups or headstand like pike ups, not handstands. Like um, it. Yeah. I would say those two. Awesome. All right. Best advice given and or received. Okay. This is such a good one. Uh, I'm so excited to share it. So I remember my freshman year of college was like a little rough and I had a few rough competitions and Matt would tell me after a bad competition, he would say, Allison, you can feel bad for yourself for 30 minutes and then get over it. And he was basically like, you know, learn your lesson and move on. And for me, I've carried that into so many aspects of my life. Like it relates Mm. to so many things because there's so many moments where you do something and you're just like, oh man, Mm. I wish I could change that, but you can't, you can't change the past. All you can do is learn from it. So um, yeah. So he's like sulk for 30 minutes and then, and then on to the next. And, and yeah. I really breathe. I I really have applied that to my life. That's totally. awesome. Do you, do you take that full 30 minutes or have you like, kind of like shrunk that down over time? Cause I mean, some people, you just <laughs> gotta fair. get it. You gotta get it out. You gotta get it over with. How it, do you it deal depends. with that? It depends. It depends on like how bad it was, you know, like <laughs> Sometimes Fair enough. it's like, all right, cool, I'm over it. And then sometimes I'm like, oh man, like let me just let me just sit with this for a second. Um yeah. but you know, I think again it's situational. Sometimes you need more than that. It really depends on on what what it was. But yeah, yeah. All right. Who would you like to hear us interview next? Uh, you know, I don't know. I saw this one and I was like, mm, have y'all have y'all interviewed Krista? We have not. Not, not yet. I feel like she- I feel like she'd be a really fun one. She's okay. she's very like she's very fun to talk to and has a very very unique story. Yeah. Um, I, if if people out there have not heard it, I think they should. So I would say Krista. Awesome, awesome, great. All right, and then the last question for you is: What question are we not asking that we should be? Oh. Um. I don't know. I think a really interesting question, and this is honestly a personally in- interesting question for me, but like, what does success mean to you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, because success means something different yeah. to different people. And for me, I really had to like learn what success meant to me. And the Olympics taught me that as well. So 
I don't know how people would answer that, but I think it's kind of an interesting one. That's a great one. I actually really think that's a great one. I actually wrote down a bunch of notes because I just have an athlete who's kind of just been struggling a little bit with, I think just figuring out how to like maintain expectations for herself. And it's like, well, what is, and I think like that is a question I wrote, like, I I wrote, what is your identity? Like, what do you want to be known for? And it's like, not a lot of people are going to say like, I want to be known for just being an awesome diver. Some people might, but it's like a lot of people would rather be known for like, what type of impact did you make to like future generations? I was a good person. I was a good teammate. I supported others. So I think there's a lot of nuggets in this one. I know this has definitely been one of my favorite episodes we've done recently. Um, But so I, I do have one like thing before we go. So it's true that then that your first ever NCAA event at 17 yeah. years old, you won. Yeah. yeah. Which, okay. By the way, that's a crazy story because I barely even made it out of the zone. Like I made it into the zone final by less than a point, I think. And then I barely squeaked into nationals and then I barely squeaked into the final. Cause you have to be top eight. Mm-hmm. So I barely squeaked into the final by less than a point. And I was eighth going into the final and, you know, the points restart. So my coach yep. was like, all right, Allison, like starting from zero. And it was just kind of one of those meets where I was locked in and it was insane. Like I was coming off freshman year was a really difficult year for me in a lot of ways. And for me, it was kind of like a, a really cool, almost redemption moment. Yeah. And well, yeah, it was, it was well, that's what stuck out to me when you said, oh, I had a lot of rough meets freshman year. And I'm like, you also won nationals on one meter. Yeah. And so in my mind, you know, I know you're only focused on the here and now, but I think mm-hmm. it'd be a pretty freaking awesome, like chapter of your life for diving. If you get to bring home a medal in Paris. So we're, you definitely have two giant fans here after this episode and Thank just you. keep, just keep doing what you're doing. Honestly, for me, like. <laughs> without a doubt one of my favorite episodes you have instantly become like one of my favorite people we've ever interviewed and i don't know how anyone can listen to this and not be cheering and like screaming for you in the stands come trials and cheering in february for world champs so just keep doing your thing keep making a positive impact and and good things are going to keep happening to you just keep doing your thing it was awesome getting to talk to you this evening For sure. And and one thing I want to say to anyone who's listening is, you know, if you're a diver out there and no matter your age or your level, um, you know, if you ever have any questions or anything like that, like always feel free to, to reach out to me. And I would love to just be able to answer any questions that I can, because I've been in this sport for a while and I've walked through a lot of highs and lows and Um, there's a good chance I can probably relate to some extent, uh, to what you're going through and what you're dealing with. So I just want to put that out there. Um, I would love to be a listening ear. And, um, again, I'm on this journey for, for something so much more than an Olympic gold. I'm on this journey for impact. And, um, and so, yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you for doing that. Um, if you're out there listening, hit us up on Instagram. We are at the diving pod. Our email is the diving pod at gmail.com. Another shout out to a sponsor, Cowing Robards. That's my family's business. We do screen printing and embroidery, team online stores. Uh, That's kind of the big one. If you're looking for an example of a team online store, just go to divingpod.itemorder.com. That's ours. It's got t-shirts, hoodies, hats, all kinds of good stuff on there for sale. Just enter divepod at checkout. That gets you free shipping. Um, Allie, true pleasure. Uh, I I texted Heath mid-episode and I said, this is the best yeah. episode of all time. He did. That's a, 
That's hundred percent true. He did. I enjoyed every single second. Um, I'm kind of like hanging on every word you say, it's like, Oh, what's, what's next. Cause everything was profound and yeah. just relatable. And thank you for being open and honest and sharing your story with everybody. Uh, he nailed it when he said you have two massive, massive fans. Thank you guys. Thank you for having me. Of course. Yes, of course. All right. We will see you next time.